welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. To open up our Bibles to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. So you want to open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. This here is a story that many of us might be very familiar with, but it's one that if we're not careful, we can miss some of the uh, spiritual events that occurred and one of the great Old Testament prophets' life, Elijah. Elijah is important because he never died. He actually went up to heaven. He never experienced death. God just brought him home. And Elijah is also one that was righteous and faithful to God. He performed some of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament. But what we're about to pick up is right after that miracle, he didn't quite get the answer he was expecting. And that occurs for us many times as well. (coughs) 1 Kings chapter 19. What's going on here in this passage and how this relates to us We are in great need of revival in our country, in our church, in our city, with crime. I was doing some research this week, and um, I'm not really familiar with the different types of drugs in the world or in the United States, but there's a drug out there. I believe it's a new drug. It's called fentanyl. Fentanyl is killing 150 Americans every day. More people are dying of fentanyl than getting shot and killed and dying in car accidents. In fact, it is is out of control. Where is this coming from? It's coming from two nations, China and Mexico. That's where fentanyl comes from. And fentanyl, folks are getting hooked on it. And apparently, if you buy a street drug, you think you're buying one item, but the drug dealer somehow puts fentanyl in it, and you find yourself getting hooked, hooked on this stuff. It is a, a pain medication. And if you take too much of it, or you take bad fentanyl, you die. A week ago, we had a group that was down at one of the homeless uh, missions that we had for our Serve Leg Saturday. And they were down there on MOK Boulevard. It's called a New Day Center. And the guy was telling, I believe, Keith Gowdy, well, the gentleman who was heading up that project, that at this homeless center, they have something called a Narcan shot. So if someone has an OD of fentanyl there at the homeless center, they give it to them right there. Folks, that's tragic. The, the, the mission, the homeless mission, is having to put uh, Narcan, which is supposed to be for paramedics to use, to help people who overdose on drugs right there at the, on the floor of the homeless center, right here in our city. That, when we hear stories like that, folks, that's a spiritual problem. When 150 Americans every day are dying of this, and this is something, you might have children or grandchildren I hope you pray daily for them that they won't get hooked on drugs. I hope you, get, you pray daily that your grandchildren, they aren't going to go down this road of addiction. And that Christ will, will put, a, put a 
bubble and a protective cover and shield around them. Because I want you to know, what I was reading about this, this is what's killing folks. It's fentanyl. And it's pouring into this nation right now. And folks, everyone I was reading, my internet research about that, and I guess that's good, internet research, because I personally don't know much about illegal drugs. It is getting worse, not better. And every, every police officer, every doctor is saying this is getting, this problem is, is rising to the top of the list of social problems. And it has to be dealt with because folks are just dying left and right. So when we, we hear about this here in our, our city, in our country, folks, this should drive us to revival. And I think a lot of times what happens is we, we don't know what to do. In many ways, I don't know what to do. Well, what am I to do? 150 people, Americans, every day die of this drug. And drug use is on the increase. All we can do, all I know to do, is to call and cry out to God. Because I don't know if politics is going to solve this problem. I don't know if, if, if government legislation is the solution. But we do know we have a God in heaven that can transform and redeem and pull people out of the murky clay. The man who's addicted to drugs, folks, Jesus can set him free. That is the power of the Gospel. We believe that. We cling to that. That is our message, Broadway Baptist Church. And that is what someone who's struggling with any type of addiction, any type of depression, any type of ongoing problem, and they don't know where to turn. Folks, the answer is Jesus. That is it. I went to the UK football game yesterday, and um, there's a newer family in our church called the Crail family, and they attend the 1115 service, and he's actually the drummer at the 1115 service. I went with them, and they have a bunch of kids our age, so we were there, and George, uh, George is about my age, and he's such a godly man. He's a soul winner. Uh, you know, when you go to these UK games, you, you might, I think you spend more on concessions than that. You do, wait, let me, you do spend more on concessions than the actual ticket to get in the game. And uh, you, you'll find yourself, and George is sitting there, uh, that, you, know, they, you don't have to even go to buy the, uh, you don't have to go stand in the long lines, they just bring the food up and down the aisles, up and down the stadium, just selling stuff, and he was buying a, a $5 Coke, I'm sorry, $10 Coke, you know, probably inflation at the UK games, and you get something, and he's buying that, and he's passing out, he hands out gospel tracts to them, they're, they're handing his drink, young man's selling it, he picks it up, and goes, what's this? You know, after you pay your money, hand on gospel try, he says, oh, it's about Jesus. And this young man, he's probably 22, 23 years old. He just smiles and says, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm going to read it. Just right there, there'll be a thousand people all around us. Folks, that's our message. Any way we can get it out is letting folks know, no matter where you're at, Jesus is the answer to whatever they have. And that's our message to our city. And you've come here this morning and we're going to read a passage, and we're going to see that turning to the Lord is where all spiritual renewal begins. Because we will be disappointed. If you look at our country and city, and you place your hope anywhere else, there will be a letdown. I'm going to give you background information on what we're about to read. 
Elijah did one of the greatest miracles in the chapter preceding this. In chapter 18, he had a showcase showdown with these prophets of Baal. Elijah built this altar. The prophets of Baal built this, their altar. And they could not get fire to come down from heaven to burn their altar. Elijah built an altar and poured water all over it. Just drenched in water. He prayed a 70-word prayer. Fire comes down from heaven. It uh, burned up every single thing. God sent fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. This is why you go out in the country and you see Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Because they're all named after this event in 1 Kings chapter 18. Incredible movement of God. And that entire altar was gone. It even burned the dirt. I mean, there was nothing left. And then the prophets of Baal were, uh, were murdered by the Israelites. And Elijah really believed. He thought, you know what? Fire just came down from heaven. We just destroyed all these false prophets of an idol worshiper. Uh, uh, it was led by Queen Jezebel of, uh, and her prophets of Baal. We killed them all. He believed after a great movement of God, revival would break out in Israel. Folks are going to start observing the Ten Commandments. People are going to turn to the Lord. Folks are going to start getting saved. And the sad thing is, it didn't happen. And Elijah's kind of left there. It's like, whoa, whoa. Fire just came down from heaven. We destroyed the prophets of Baal and nobody's keeping God's covenant. Why, Why didn't it happen? Folks, that's like if you came to church here this morning and a hundred folks get saved from this sermon. And you walk out and you expect a massive change. It's just like, well, where are we going to eat? And it's just like business is normal. And you walk away and go, what, what just happened? The Holy Spirit moved. And it's just going back to the daily routine. That's what happened to Elijah. And when he realized after this great movement of God, nothing really changed, he actually became discouraged and depressed. And he didn't, want to, he didn't want to serve the Lord anymore. He actually wanted God to take his life. So that's what we're going to pick up here in your Bibles. I want you to follow along. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab. Who is Ahab? That is the king of Israel. He is a very wicked king. He is married to an even more wicked woman, a queen named Jezebel. These two people, Ahab and Jezebel, worshipped idols. They did not like Elijah. And in fact, Jezebel, she was, the Bible describes one of those evil people in, in the entire Scriptures. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Those were her personal prophets. Elijah killed them after fire came down from heaven. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, say, May the gods punish me, and do so severely if I don't make your life like one of them by this time tomorrow. That's a death threat right there. So Elijah hears that he's now on the run, and that Jezebel is going to try to kill him. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Do you know what's unbelievable about this? The chapter before, this was the most bold man in the Bible. Folks, fire came down from heaven. He, called, he prayed and the Lord brought it. 
And now he's scared of Jezebel. And he's, the Bible says he's afraid. He's running away. It's like the next day. When he came to Beersheba and all that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. Do you know, suicide, as I was uh, researching about problems in America, you know, suicide is getting worse and worse here in our country too, along with fentanyl. Here is Elijah, this great prophet, and he's asking God to take his life. He is so afraid. He would rather die than have to, to face Jezebel or Jezebel's servants, knowing the Lord answered his prayer just a few hours early and brought fire down from heaven. So it says here, he's in the wilderness alone. He's sitting under this broom tree, and he wants to die, and he says, I have had enough. He's exhausted. He's had enough. He's done. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. If you have your little bulletin, I want you to look at something. Elijah asked to die. He's recognizing, God, I'm just like everybody else. I'm done. I'm spent. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm weak. I don't have anything left to give. Lord, just, I'm ready to go home. Just take me home, Lord. But God wasn't done with Elijah. He still had work to do. Do you know, Elijah asked to die. There are some other great people in the Bible that also wanted to die. And I have them in your bulletin. I want to mention this. Do you know Moses? Moses leading the people out of bondage. He actually prayed and asked God. And in Numbers eleven fifteen, he was so discouraged and disappointed that the people would not listen and obey the Lord. He said, God, please kill me right now. The Lord, just kill me. He wanted the Lord to kill him. Moses was at a state where he had literally parted the Red Sea and freed over a million people from the hand of Pharaoh. And now he's just saying, God, kill me. I'm done. Look at Job, one of the great stories in the Old Testament. Job was so faithful to the Lord when he literally lost everything. And in Job chapter 10, the Bible says that he wished that, he told God that he didn't even want to be born. He said, Lord, I wish I had come out of the womb. I, didn't, I, don't, even, I don't even want to be here, God. Why did, you, why did you bring me into this world for this pain and this suffering? And I want to tell you, this is what we see in verse, th- uh, verse here in the next one. Jeremiah 20 is the closest thing we get to an abortion in the Bible. Jeremiah 20. He actually cursed. Jeremiah was a prophet. And Jesus quoted Jeremiah more than anyone else, by the way. Do you know how many converts Jeremiah had? Zero. No one got saved from Jeremiah's preaching. He was constantly rejected. He actually cursed the day of his birth. God chose Jeremiah. Jesus kept quoting Jeremiah over and over and over again. He wanted, he asked to be, he said, Lord, I wish I had died. I wish I had been aborted in the womb. I didn't want to come into this world. You should have killed me when I was was in the womb. That was Jeremiah. And then Jonah, who the Lord saved through a large fish for three days and three nights. He's in that fish. He asked when he recognized and he saw that, the, that Nineveh repented, 
He wanted to die. He asked God to take away his life after the people turned to the Lord and a great revival broke out. He went up on a mountain. He said, Lord, I just want to die. So it's really, you see this unusual range of emotions from these godly men in our Bible, in our Old Testament. And Elijah is right there. Fire came down from heaven, and he's asking to die. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 5, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So that's what the Lord serves. That's, a, that's food from the Lord. A jug of water and some bread for Elijah. The angel Lord wakes him up, and there's his meal. Then the angel Lord returned a second time and touched him and says, get up and eat, for the journey will be too much for you. That meant this first time, Elijah passed on the food. He says, I, I think I'll just skip this meal. I don't want any bread and a jug of water. The angel came a second time and says, no, you need to eat. You're about to take a journey. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights. This is his 40-day experience right here. 40 days and 40 nights, Elijah. God is taking this man. He's going to take him from Beersheba and he's going to travel 270 miles south. And he's going to go to what we call Mount Horeb, what the Bible calls the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai, in the southern Sinai Peninsula, where God came and gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He's going to go there. It says, He walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and he spent the night. So now he's in this rural, remote area. He just spent a 40-day journey with the Lord. Traveling 270 miles. Suddenly the word of the Lord. He's hiding in this cave in the mountain of God. And the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, that's a question for us today. Do you know when we are at our wits end, and we, we don't know when we're discouraged and we're struggling, we're wrestling with things, God comes to us. He comes alongside of us. And He says, what are you doing here, Daniel? What are you doing here, Ben? What are you doing here, John? He just asks the question. It's a self-examination question. What we just did with the Lord's Supper. What are you doing here? What's your status? What are you up to? Why are you at this mountain? What are you wanting? Of all the places you could have gone to, why did you come to Mount Sinai. What are you looking for, Elijah? And I want to tell you what he's looking for. He's looking for a touch. He's looking for the presence of God. He knew if he goes to the mountain of God where the Lord came down and gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, he wants that too. He wants to see the cloud. He wants the presence and the power of God. And folks, I want you, God asks you, what are you doing here at church this morning? What are you looking for? And the answer to that is I believe everyone here is wanting to feel and experience and to witness and to feel the touch 
and to see and to read about and to know God. You're wanting more. You're wanting more than whatever out there has to offer. Because there's something here, just like Elijah is wanting something at Mount Sinai, you want something at Broadway Baptist Church. You might not know what it is. And I'm here to tell you that something is the Lord. That's what Elijah's wanting. He is spent. He is empty. He is it's this random place. But it's not random. God brought him there. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I want to tell you this. This next reply. Verse 10, I believe, is the key section to this entire ch- sermon where I'm preaching. Because this is how Elijah felt. And I believe this is how we feel in 2022. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, and you're daily going to live for the Lord at school, at work, at the ball game, at home, wherever you're at, you're going to be dealing with what Elijah dealt with in verse 10. Look at what Elijah said in verse 10. He says, God, I have been very zealous for the Lord. God of armies, meaning, Lord, I've been passionate. Lord, I've been faithful. I have been committed to You. But the Israelites, these other people over here, Your people, they have abandoned Your covenant. Like, I'm the only one. We just brought down fire from heaven, and they're not obeying. They're worshiping Baal. But the Israelites have abandoned Your covenant, tore down Your altars, and killed Your prophets with the sword. God's own people are actually destroying your followers and your prophets. They're they're destroying the church. They're They're not honoring you. The king and queen of Israel are actually worshiping not you, Lord. They're destroying your temple. They're worshiping idols. That's what he's saying. He was discouraged because he believed that movement, that fire from God, there would be a great renewal and revival in Israel, but it didn't happen. What happened was, let's go kill the prophet. Let's kill Elijah. And Elijah was isolated. He was alone. All he was thinking about is, I'm the only one. Folks, that's dangerous thinking. When you or I spiritually get to a point that says, you know, I'm, the, I'm really the only believer around here. I'm the only guy that reads the Bible. No one really left. I'm the only faithful one that comes to church. Sunday school, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. All these other people don't obey, but Lord, I do. When you start thinking that way, you're falling in the camp here with Elijah. That's what he was doing. He felt he was the only one. And it says here, look at this. I I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Like, God, I'm the last one. If I'm not saved, the entire plan of God is going to cease and die. And that's how he felt. And folks, when we're like that, that's in need. That's a reminder for us that we need a touch. We need a presence from the Lord. God answers Elijah. At that moment, or then he said, God said in verse 11, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. Look what's about to happen. This is the greatest Bible story. At that moment, the Lord passed by. God's going to pass by on the mountain of Sinai. This also happened with Moses. God passed by Moses, and Moses had to turn 
so only he could only see the Lord had to shield Moses in the crevice so he only could see the Lord's backside. Couldn't see Moses' face, the, or the Lord's face, because the Bible says if he saw the Lord's face, Moses would die. So he's, he's, here, he's here in this crevice. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice. Look at this. A soft whisper. Then Elijah heard it. He's hearing the voice of the Lord. A whisper. He wrapped his face in his mantle. The mantle is what a prophet would carry back then. And he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and says, look at this question, number two. He already asked it the first time. Now he's going to ask this. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? He's asking for that self-examination. And folks, he asked that for us today. What do you want? Why are you here this morning? What do you want from me? I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of armies, he replied. But the Israelites, he says the exact same thing. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they're looking to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, it took two times we had to go through this. It's almost like Elijah answered incorrectly the first time, so he gave the same old answer. It's like if God forgot. Because God's going to reassure him. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazel as king over Aram. All of a sudden, God's giving Elijah a new vision. The Lord is going to reassure Elijah and say, Elijah, I'm not done with you. There's still work. Even though you feel like it's over. Even though you feel you have, you're the only one left. There's still ministry and work for you. You are to announce Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. So now, at this point, Ahab, he's still the king. But God knows soon Ahab's going to die. And Jehu's going to be the next king. God is putting the plan in place before any of this happens. And knowing that, he says, you're also going to anoint Elisha, in verse 16, son of Shabhat from Abel Meleth as prophet in your place. He says, you think you're the only one? You're going to now mentor and bring along another prophet named Elisha, and he's going to take your mantle. He's going to carry on your work. Elijah felt alone, isolated, abandoned. <coughs> and God says, no. There's a new vision coming. This is the revival part. He says, you're going to get a new king that loves the Lord. You're going to get, Elijah, I know you're old and you, don't, you think it's over, but you're going to start mentoring and developing up there. I'm going to bring up and rise up a new prophet, Elisha, who's going to take your mantle. As you go to heaven, it will fall onto him. And he will receive a double portion. And do you know Elisha did, Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah? Elisha asked for a double portion, and he got it. Folks, when we feel like 
you've lived a long life and you feel like this is it. America's falling apart. Our city's crumbling. Churches, nobody goes to church anymore. This is bad times. The Lord comes to us in the cave while we're alone and isolated and says, I'm going to give you a new vision. There's a new generation coming. There's new people coming behind you. There's a new king on the horizon. Generation, whatever, X, Y, Z, whatever's after that, Z, Z, they're going to come along and they're going to love me too. And we have to guard ourselves of, of getting like Elijah, feeling I'm the only one. The good old days were in the 50s and 60s. And God is saying, no, they're not. You know what's amazing about this? This event is occurring a thousand years before Jesus. They still haven't even seen the greatest of all the days yet. Folks, we, we, we are, America is not promised a future. The Bible says God raises up the nations and He destroys them. All we have is the Lord. We cling to the Lord. The greatest revival of all could be in the horizon. It could be at the end times. We could see a mass turning of the Lord in the future. People get to the bottom of the barrel and then they realize all I have is the Lord. Last verses here. The Bible tells us here in closing, then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jesus. Jehu, what that means is these wicked people, they're going to die. Don't worry about them. I'll take care of that. I've got people in place who are going to take care. And we're going to get rid of all these bell worshipers. And look at this, verse 18. Last verse of this morning. And this is what we're going to conclude on. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel. Every knee that has not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah felt he was the only one. God comes to him in that cave, comes to him in that moment in that soft whisper and says, there are 7,000 people that you don't even know about and not once have they bowed the knee to Baal. Elijah, you're not the only one. I've got an army of people that's coming and I'm having to open your eyes to the great revival that's going to occur. This morning, I'm going to ask you to have the same type of passion for the Lord that Elijah had. Elijah was zealous for Jesus. He was zealous for his commitment to the Lord. He was zealous for obeying God's covenant. But he also had a problem. And his problem was, he felt he was the only one left. In these next 40 days, I want you to be praying to say, God, open my eyes to see an army of 7,000. Because Elijah needed that. There are many people in our city that have never bowed their knee to sexual immorality. They have not found themselves addicted to drugs, practicing witchcraft, finding themselves just living for materialism. There's people all around us, and we might not know them, but they have a passion for Jesus. And our prayer starts this next season of prayer that we're in. Lord, just start rekindling a great movement and a desire and raise up a new generation, even an old generation, for folks that will respond like Elijah. If Elijah can call down a 70-word prayer and fire comes down from heaven, folks, 
He can do miracles for us today. We can't believe the lie that the good old days are over. The good old days is each and every day with God. That's the good old days. Tomorrow, if you're here, you have a new day with God. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. And we cherish that time with the Lord. And I, I want our church the next 40 days to be intentional about praying for a movement, a vision, revival, spiritual awakening. People need to be saved. And we don't always know how it's going to be accomplished. Elijah is probably having no clue in his life that he's standing on Mount Carmel watching fire come down only to be 40 days later complaining in a cave 270 miles south. He did not know he would be there. But that's where the Lord led him, and that's where God came to him. This morning you've come, and the Lord is speaking to you, saying you need to experience my presence. I want to lead us in a special prayer. In fact, I'm going to pray day one. Day one's Bible verse for us. Bow your head with me right now. The Bible verse tells us here, of our verse for revival today, in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart for wisdom. Lord, we come to You, and our days today is day one. We number our days. We don't know how many days we have. We don't know what You have in store. But Lord, we, we know You do. And Lord, we give You our lives. Lord, we give You our time that we're going to be zealous for You. Lord, help us not fall into this spiritual depression and disappointment because we might feel like Elijah, that people aren't responding and following you. Lord, open up our eyes and show us the army of 7,000 people that have never bowed their knee to immorality all around us. Jesus, I pray for a mighty spiritual renewal at Broadway Baptist Church. Lord, we pray for that, for folks to get saved. Lord, we pray for our offering plates to be overflowing for You. Lord, we pray for families, young people, that start coming to our church. We pray for youth, that they won't turn to drugs or alcohol. Young people will turn to You. Lord, I pray for the men and women that daily we will be committed these 40 days for a, a life change, an eye-opening experience, that we can look back and say, wow, God, I had my 40-day Mount Carmel, Mount Sinai experience with You. Lord, You spoke in a soft whisper. And we pray You will speak to us. Lord, I thank You for Elijah. I thank You You revealed a new plan and a vision. You opened up his eyes to the greatness all around him. Lord, you asked him, what are you doing here? And Lord, we answer that question. Lord, we want you. We're begging for you this morning. Jesus, just as this Bible verse tells us, our days are numbered and you know every single day. Lord, we give you these next 40 days. Lord, place this commitment on our souls and our hearts. Do something new in our life. Lord, we give you this invitation. Help us be bold in responding to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close our worship service here with an invitation. I want to invite you to respond. If Elijah can respond to God, 
you can respond to God too. Don't miss this opportunity. Myself and our deacon body, we stand down here and we wait for you to respond to what Jesus has placed in your heart. So we're going to stand up and we're going to sing. Have thine own way, Lord. And you can open up your songbook. Hymn number 544. I'm going to be standing out front with our deacon of the week and you come take our hand and say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to make Broadway my church home. I'm ready to be a part of what God is doing.